Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Euro Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, and the former England winger, Trevor Sinclair, who says England shouldn't start with Jordan Henderson against Germany. I don't think Jordan Henderson's got that kind of fitness in his legs yet. And I think, although he is a leader, he's done great, Champions League, Premier League, everything that he's achieved in his career, sometimes this is where loyalty has to be put aside and the good of the team needs to come first and for me for that reason I wouldn't play Jordan Henson. Alex Crook is also on the programme we've got a full preview of that game to come plus why Wales don't get a free pass it appears Czechs are back in fashion especially in the East End and we review wins for Italy and Belgium all on the Euro Game Day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello to Trevor Sinclair. How are you? I'm very well, Sam. How are you? Ah, not too bad. And Alex Crook is here as well in another hotel. Yeah, another hotel horror story. It's been the uh, the oh, theme dude. of my summer after the, the dodgy air conditioning. <laughs> now, um, I'm staying in a hotel in Brighton. It was my wife's birthday on Sunday. So this is not uh, official the, trip business? Uh, overnight stay. And at 5.55, bearing in mind we have an 18-month-old daughter and part of the appeal was a lay-in, 5.55, the fire alarms were sounding very no. loudly. And suddenly, all the guests find, us, find ourselves on the beach, basically. We had a story like that when we lived in Dubai and we moved into this place temporarily while we are waiting for our house to be built. And uh, we weren't supposed to have animals or pets in the apartment because it was kind of quite posh. Anyway, the alarm went off. I was working, doing some media, and the alarm went off, and Nassie had to go down with the dog and the cat. And when the dog went down, it was so nervous that it did a massive diarrhoea. Sorry, I had to tell that story. <laughs> Welcome to the Euro Game Day podcast. <laughs> oh, when she told me this story, man. Oh, I was crying. Oh. Right. Well, actually, I mean, uh, Alex, he's trumped you there. Were you standing outside the hotel in your dressing gown? I mean, because you're quite a big lad. I can't imagine that uh, there's any dressing gowns that fit you uh, anything other than proper snugly. Uh, luckily, because you're right, the dressing gown supply doesn't fit very well. Um, I did manage to find my swimming shorts, but uh, dear, oh dear. Oh dear. Oh, there we are. Okay. Wrap up warm. Okay, talking of wrapping up warm, let's wrap up what's happened over the course of the weekend, starting uh, with the big game on Saturday. Wales are out. Good afternoon.
afternoon once again, and after decades of near misses, bad luck, and at times self-inflicted problems, Wales are where it matters once again. And after they enjoyed the summer of their lives five years ago, it's time to deliver. Played short, Morrell with a cross. Oh, the header is in! Kiefer Moore with the equaliser, and Wales are alive at the UEFA Euro 2020. Wales, little old Wales, and just to even be here. Uh as a team is incredible. And Wales have done it! Wales have won this game by two goals to nil. What a victory! Connor Roberts with the second goal. That is it. What a night to be Welsh. Wales on their way through, surely. <laughs> we fought hard. We worked our socks off like we always do. We needed that victory more than anything. And yeah, to get the second goal at the end was the icing on the cake. And the full-time whistler's got in Baku. Switzerland have won, but they haven't managed to overhaul Wales's grip on second spot. So Rob Page's team habitates with Amsterdam in the last 16 of Euro 2020. Oh, I didn't enjoy that 90 minutes at all. <laughs> I didn't. I will now. As soon as I find out, found out that we were second, uh, just so proud. So proud of those players. This is it. Prepare yourself for a roller coaster of emotions. The Welsh Dragons, they're ready for a battle. The Nordic Vikings will be prepared. It's in their DNA. Low ball across the six-yard area. It's cleared away by Williams straight to Dolberg. That's 2-0. And that could be that for Wales. When you can give them the second one in the manner we give it to them, just after half time, knocks the stuffing out of everyone. It's all over. Wales players slump to the turf in disappointment. No glorious run to the last four this time. And Wales are out of the European Championship. Yeah, Wales beaten well in the end by Denmark by four goals to nil. Um, look, I, I don't think that Wales played particularly well. There was quite a, a clamour for a few of the decisions that went against them. But I think if we're completely honest, Denmark were a better organised and are a better team. And Wales' big players didn't turn up. Um, I think it was Dean Saunders who said on Talk Sport that arguably the two best players on paper, on the pitch, were Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. They made no impression on the game. And actually, it was quite a heated Twitter debate between Adrian Durham and Nigel Adley, our Wales commentator. And I tend to agree with Adrian. I think if Wales want to be taken seriously as a football nation, they, they can't just be given a free pass when they turn up and play as badly as they did. Yes, it's a fantastic achievement to get into the last 16. It was a difficult group, although Turkey stunk the place out. We, we have to say that. But to lose 4-0 and to be battered as they were... I think he's really disappointing. And, um, you know, I don't think Gareth Bale and Ramsey should be let off the hook. I, I didn't I, like the way that Gareth Bale stormed out of his interview either. I thought that was petty and childish. I agree with you uh, on mm -hmm. that. I, I also thought that Robert Page probably deserves a little bit of criticism because uh, the reason that the game changed was because Kasper Hjolman, who is the coach of, of Denmark, made a tactical switch in the middle of the, the midfield. He took Christensen out of the back three, moved him into the centre, nullified Ramsey. As a result of that, the, the tide of the game completely turned. Um, Wales had a really good first 20 minutes, but as soon as he made that alteration, Trevor, Everything went the other way. Yeah, he's done quite well, hasn't he, Christensen? Um, very, very good player, rating very highly. Um, but no, it was it was a tactical change that I think changed the game because I thought Wales started the game quite brightly. And um, you're right, you know, Bale, uh, Ramsey didn't have the best games. Obviously, that tactical change nullified Ramsey. But all in all, I think... 
that, that Wales have done well. I think that Robert Page has done well. You know, he's, he's come into a difficult situation where he's had to take the managerial job because of what's happened. And you look at the squad, there's a lot of young players in there, you know, and some of the players, you know, you look at certain players in that squad that are not playing week in, week out for their domestic clubs. So to get through to the last 16, I think is an achievement. But for me, they come up against a very well-organised side with good quality and a spirit at the moment because of what's happened with Christian Eriksen. Uh, that seems like it's pulled them really together and, and they'll be a difficult difficult team to play against. There's a lot of players that play in Serie A, in La Liga, at the top end of the Premier League, you've got an FA Cup winner in goal for, for, for Denmark. And it was the point was made, I think, by someone over the weekend that if you looked at Wales 11, a lot of those players maybe are playing in the Premier League, but a lot of them are playing in the Championship as well. And that makes a, a huge difference in terms of the level of quality that you've got available. What happens to Wales next? Because getting to Qatar is not easy. Getting to the the World Cup from their position in the group, from I think any position really, unless you're one of the top teams, it's very difficult because you can only get there via some very convoluted playoff place unless you win, win, win the group that you're in. Yeah, and you've hit the nail on the head. The difficulty they have is they haven't got enough players, and we mentioned it before the tournament, playing week in, week out in the Premier League. Yes, they've got some talented youngsters Coming through, Gareth Bale for me now is is past the peak of his powers in terms of being able to influence games at the highest level. And obviously, you've got the managerial situation. Does uh, Robert Page get the job in the long term? So I think there's a lot of question marks for Wales on the back of this tournament. And clearly, they peaked in, in 2016. It was always going to be very difficult to emulate that. And I think it will be an achievement now just qualifying for the World Cup. Well, and that's going to be difficult because Belgium and Czech Republic are ahead of them in their group already. Yeah. And um, look, they've, they've already dropped points. I'm not saying that that's uh, fatal by any stretch of the imagination. But when you've got Belgium in your group, uh, the best that you're going to hope for really is a playoff place. So, look, good luck to them. But um, unfortunately, I, I, do you, what do you make of Chris Gunter's comments, Trevor, about the fact that he thought that the tournament setup was a joke with yeah. basically no fans being allowed for them anywhere they went, but other teams were allowed fans. Yeah. Did, that, did you just have to accept that that's the makeup of this particular tournament and we are in strange times? Or was it worth airing? I think it was worth airing because, you know, there was a, there was a debate, an argument, uh, a discussion maybe six months ago, should this all be brought to one country um, to make it a lot more simple? Because in the pandemic that we've been in or the back end of a pandemic, do you want to be going all around Europe, which, you know, some teams, especially Wales, have had to do? And I think one, the travelling, but two, especially uh, the fans not being allowed to follow the team. Uh, it's a huge advantage, you know, being a player when you've got your fans behind you and you can hear them singing and getting, you know, getting that support. It makes a huge difference and Wales haven't had that benefit. So I do agree um, that, that, that they had a, like, a really hard time with that. The travelling I'm not that bothered about because, you know, the boys travel, um, you know, very uh, luxuriously now and it, and it doesn't really affect you so much. And, you know, going to Baku or going to... Amsterdam or wherever they've been. I don't think that's a big deal. But for me, yeah, it was worth, it was worth arguing at that point. For a country like Wales as well, they'll feel it more than one of the more established European nations because they're not used to qualifying for big tournaments. So you have to have a fair degree of sympathy for their fans. But I agree with Trevor. I think when it comes to travelling, you just have to suck it up and get on with it. 
Uh, Trevor can talk from experience about that because uh, he rather Steady. enjoyed the first class travel that England put on for him when he went around the world 360 times uh, between uh, the end of the warm up games in 2002 and the actual World Cup and emptied the entire first class. <laughs> <didn't you? laughs> the Zaka was nice, the Zaki was nice. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about England then because fans is a big uh, part of what they're going to do on Tuesday night they take on Germany it's live on talk sport um, England against Germany is a historic fixture um, Build yesterday uh, was full of headlines saying are they trying to pull a fast one on us basically Italy Austria only had 20,000 fans but yet when we go to town there'll be 45,000 Englishmen coming in uh, to Wembley's turnstiles and cheering them on are they trying to hoodwink them well look listen I think England and Germany's history England need all the help that they can get so yeah probably that is true Um, I think they were complaining that Italy Austria was the same round of the competitions they didn't understand why it was possible to have uh, 20, only 20,000 for one game and 45 for another. But apparently it's to do with a government restriction being lifted on Monday, just in time for the England-Germany game. What a coincidence. I mean, listen, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that our inoculations, our injections, um, has been done amazing. I've had one jab already. I'm, I'm having another one very soon. I think the percentage of the population that's been... Uh, double jabbed in England uh, enables the government to be able to put us to that level of restrictions or lesser restrictions and yeah I'm all for it get as many fans in Wembley as you can because like you said Sam we need the help Um, but I'm actually I don't think we need the help as much as a lot of people think we're obviously scarred from previous games Um, but for me I look at the quality and I look at the detail involved in both sides and I think we've got the players to beat Germany yeah, what, what do you make of the whole discussion around the England team over the last sort of 24 hours? Because there was a lot made of interviews with players reminding them of previous encounters with Germany. Yeah. And Gareth Southgate, who spoke to ITV and said, to be honest with you, we're trying to keep them away from it because they're not <laughs> scarred by this sort of stuff. And, and, you know, it might have affected our generation, but it doesn't affect them. They don't remember uh, these things. It was interesting, I thought, when G- Gabriel Clark was talking to Bakayu Saka and they were talking about the fact that England 5, Germany 1 back in 2001. Uh, what happened the following week? I was born. Oh, right. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sort of unencumbered by this whole England-Germany thing, which is great. You know, that, that, that's really important. But I think England actually got secretly a little bit annoyed about the fact that a lot of journalists were trying to... to bring the whole England-Germany stuff up, the, the whole history thing up. Yeah, and you can understand why, because if you look at the Scotland game, for whatever reason, England didn't turn up. You could argue they got a bit of stage fright. Was that because of the rivalry between England and Scotland? If that is the case, then you can understand maybe why Gareth Southgate will want to shield his players. But listen, they'll have dads and uncles who will have told them all about Italia 90 and, and Euro 96. I was only eight in Italia 90. I don't remember too much about it but I know the story Gascoigne's tears and Peter Shilton not getting near any penalties and Waddle hitting a spaceship in Mars with his spot kick so we're all aware of the history and the players will be as well but I agree with Trevor this is not the Germany of old yes they have one or two individual talents but as a team I think England are better I was fascinated to see Wayne Rooney pick his 11 and he put Jordan Henderson in midfield I would do the same I think his range of passing uh, his tactical awareness could be really important. And it wouldn't surprise me if Sterling 
and Rashford both started to try and exploit that lack of pace in the German back line. Just going off the back of that, um, when you mentioned Rooney, did you not see the, the, the quotes underneath about that's why Derby nearly got relegated and, and so on and so forth? I'm completely against that. <laughs> being, a, being a former player, you realise once you get out onto a big pitch, when you've been injured for six months, which Jordan Henderson has, and you get them first couple of lung busting runs out of the way, you realise how far you are behind lads that have, have been playing all season. And for me, this is not the time to bring in Jordan Henderson. It's a huge game. It's the last 16. It's against Germany. You need legs in there. And one of the big features of our game has been um, Calvin Phillips's ability to, one, defend and help out defensively and, 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 and form that block in front of our back two central defenders. But also his ability to then, once he's done that job, to go and break lines going forward. I don't think Jordan Henderson's got that kind of fitness in his legs yet. And I think, although he is a leader, he's done great, Champions League, Premier League, everything that he's achieved in his career, sometimes this is where loyalty has to be put aside and the good of the team needs to come first. And for me, for that reason, I wouldn't play Jordan Henderson. I thought his 45 minutes against the Czech Republic was more than adequate. I actually... It, I raised my eyebrow watching it because I didn't think he was going to be as Im impressive as he was. He was all over the, the pitch. He was snapping into tackles. His distribution's much better. I think he'll get England on the front foot. I actually tend to agree with Crook that I think he... I think whether or not I agree with him playing 90 minutes or not, maybe that's a different argument. But I believe that Gareth Southgate will use him on Tuesday night. I think they'll probably play... I mean, if it was me, I'd play Rice... Uh, sorry, Phillips and Henderson... Um, I think he'll probably play Rice and, and Henderson. I think that's a bit of a mistake. Didn't think Rice had a particularly good game against the Czech Republic. I think they need to keep Saka in the team, really. What about the debate on back four? I think we've all sort of alluded to the fact that we think we need pace at the top end of the pitch because that's where Germany have shown that they are vulnerable. What about England's defensive capabilities? They yet to concede a goal. They've done very well with the back four. Do you now go back to the three? which he has done four big games. I mean, I've gone through looking at all the formations. You know, when, it, when they're playing big sides, he usually tends to play that way. But they, they seem to have nailed this formation. They're pretty pragmatic, but they get the job done. I guess the question is, how much does he respect this Germany team? And I think we'll probably get the answer when the team sheet is handed in, in terms of whether he sticks with the back four that served them well to this point, or as you say, because they're up against a, a supposed powerhouse does he go for the back three? I think when we recorded last week, we were all in agreement that maybe a back three would be the, the right idea. But actually now, I think play on the front foot. Take the game to Germany, play with a back four, play with no fear. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll play with, uh, on the front foot at all. I, I honestly believe he'll play like Belgium played last night, which is you know, with, patient, slow, nick a, try and nick a goal, and then manage the game out because that's how they've done... That's how they've managed the tournament so far. You know, it's about getting over the line, and they've done that up until this point. I think entertainment value. It might be quite a hard watch on Tuesday night. Yeah, it could be. Um, I've covered a couple of the Germany Germany games, and I feel the game against Hungary is a good example of the lack of ability that this side has. And actually, when you when you look at the manager's changes until he brought on Musiala. Um, Germany were really struggling and uh, Hungary did a good job on them they got challenges in um, they made sure it was difficult they didn't give any spaces away and they, they played a good game against Germany and Germany looked very very ordinary if you looked at the game against Portugal Germany looked brilliant 
Yeah. So there's two different ways to look at it, but I think we play a back four. I think we play a back four for one reason. Kyle Walker can one, he can do that kind of right-sided defender role, but also he can get forward. And actually, if you look at their side, one of their most reliable performers this tournament has been Goosens on the left-hand side. And I think you need Kyle Walker's pace there just to take any kind of threat away from that side of the pitch. And if we play with a four, um, yeah, I would go Kyle Walker, Stones, Maguire and uh, Shaw. I think it's interesting that you say that there's not as much talent in this Germany team. You know, I look through that team and I see Tony Crows, Mats Hummels, Manuel Neuer, Thomas Muller, Leon Goretzka, Musiala, Leroy Sane, uh, Serge Gnabry. Um, I mean, Josh, Joshua Kimmich, who is a fantastic footballer. I, I don't think it's the talent that's the problem. I think it's the manager trying to get the best out of them that is the problem, putting them all in the right places. They're, they're a little bit overloaded in the central of midfield and they don't really know the right blend. There's a suggestion that maybe Goretzka comes into midfield, so I think you're possibly right about that. But just looking at the, the names you listed there, with the greatest will in the world, Serge Gnabry is, for me, not a superstar, the like of which we've seen in the past with Germany. You mentioned Thomas Muller. I mean, I think he's older than Trev. Um, so clearly <laughs> his best days... Are, are in the distance. So I think there's a lot of question marks about many of those individuals that you've mentioned. Yeah, I mean, Serge Nabry, he might not have done particularly well when he was in the Premier League, but he's not done too badly since he's yeah. been at, at Bayern Munich. I mean, he's absolutely ripped it up. Um, and he's been a massive part of their success over the last few years. He's done three seasons in the Bundesliga now with, with, with the best team in Germany by a mile. And he's got into double figures in terms of goals. In each of those years, you know, this year, 11 in 38, the year before, 23 and 46. I mean, for someone who's got uh, Robert Lewandowski scoring over 40 goals per season in that team as well, that's not a bad contribution. Um, And I don't know whether or not he's playing in his best position as a false nine, which is what he's been doing up until this point. I think he's a threat. I mean, Musiala, I mean, that's another different story, isn't it? <laughs> that's you know, a sad story. This is a guy who is obviously unbelievably talented, could be playing for England. In fact, did play for England at age mm. group level and now is playing for Germany. And, you know, there is the, uh, the, the pessimist in me that thinks that that story is already written and he's going to come off the bench and score the winning goal for Germany at Wembley and knock England out of the tournament that they're supposed to, to, to enjoy the most. Well, all the criticism Yogi Lowe has, uh, has come under, you know, in the last couple of years with Germany uh, not playing as well and not looking like they're progressing. Um, you look at the team, it's ageing. Um, you look at the options, you know, Leroy Sané, for me, he's gone backwards after his ACL. He struggled to adapt his game because it's an injury that I've had. And when you have that injury as a kind of a, a forward-thinking, quick, uh, play with agility and bursts of pace. When you come back from that ACL injury, you haven't got that. So you have to adapt to your game. You have to be a technically good player, which he is, but you have to adapt the way that you can affect the game with one-twos, third-man runs, be really good defensively and tactically for the team. And it's almost like you have to humble yourself and I don't feel he's done that yet. So that could be uh, something that we could keep an eye on for a while, but I don't think he's going to play a major part because he hasn't got the ability to go past players like he used to. Musiala, really sad story for me. Scored for the 21s back in November um, and then decided that Germany was going to be his nation of choice. He lived here for 10 years, was at Chelsea. He, he, he was brilliant when he came on. Not just the assist for the goal or the involvement for the goal where he dropped his left shoulder right on the byline and, and pulled it back for Gretzky who had a double uh, a shot and then uh, it was, which was blocked and then finished it. But also a couple of times where he's coming off the line 
He, he knows when to take a touch and then slip down with the outside of his right foot. He knows when to play one-touch football. And actually, he looked like one of the most mature forward players in that Germany side when he came on. And he only, he only came on for 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the game. And it was, it was carnage at the time because they were struggling to get back in the game. And he just brought a calming influence and a bit of quality that they needed. For me, though, you, you, look at, you, you talked about Cruz and you talked about Gundogan. If you get a high press and you don't be passive with them two players, I think you can nullify them. And I think if we get on the front foot and do that and take their threat, which is their passing ability, their passing ability to go through the lines, if we put people up against them, players up against them, we can nullify that and actually dictate the game. Totally agree with you. And I think there's two examples to sort of highlight that. Real Madrid against Liverpool, where Tony Crowes was not pushed and pressurised and harassed. And then Tony Crowes for Real Madrid against Chelsea, where he was completely pressed and harassed yeah. and couldn't get into the game. So I think there's two examples of how to, how to nullify his particular threat. Going back to uh, the supporters in the stadium, how much difference would it make, et cetera, et cetera. 45,000 supposed to be in there. I mean, the ticket's blind, really expensive. You know, the cheapest tickets are, are 50 euros, about 43 quid. Then the next bracket is 125 and then 185. I mean, they really are expensive tickets. Um, 7,400 have been allocated to Germany, but they were considering turning that down because the country's on the ambulance. So fans can't come in, just watch the game and go. They had to come in. I don't think they would have had enough time to, to get in, isolate and, and be able mm. to, to crack on. So um, it's, it's going to be quite an odd atmosphere. Because <clears throat> it's an England-Germany game and it is going to be 45,000, pretty much, England supporters in there. Yes, yeah, it's a shame for Germany that 7,000 fans can't get a job at UEFA and that would probably get them around the uh, <laughs> quarantine regulations. Um, it's going to be bouncing. You know, it always is for, for England against Germany. I mean, I remember the spine-tingling atmosphere of, of Euro 96 and, and anyone who's lucky enough to have paid nearly £200 for a ticket, I think will, will make themselves heard. So it's going to be a, a fantastic carnival atmosphere and surely the players can only thrive on that. England are the world champions. England are out of the World Cup. West Germany are through to the final on penalty kicks. Gareth Southgate, the defender. It's been saved! No, you didn't dream it, I promise. England have won 5-1 in Germany. Lampard! Yes! Yes! He hasn't given it! He hasn't given it! Unbelievable! That clearly went over the line! Raheem Sterling does it again. What a start from England. It's a lifeline for the Germans. And Goretzka is on target. We know the quality that uh, how, what Germany have and it's about us being prepared to be the best we can be on that day. We know as a team we can score more, especially with the world-class talent we've got. But that will come. I feel like we're really going to step it up. Germany, who to me look like they're back on song. They've got some quality players, attacking players, midfielders, so we're preparing for it and we'll be ready for it. We're a new team now and we want to create our own history. I've always felt as though we'll be good enough to win it. We've got to cope with the occasion. I think we will. The Germans march upon Wembley. Put them away today, England, and you're looking knockout. All those memories that you share as a family, those key international moments stick with you. We're ready for that. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The first goal of Euro 2020 is an Italy goal. Rupe has started with a bang for Roberto Mancini's side. It finishes Turkey nil, Italy three. If you want to qualify, certainly top of the group, then it's going to take something special to budge this this Italy side. Locatelli from distance, and they are serious contenders, surely, at Euro 2020. Another victory confirmed by the final whistle. Italy three. Switzerland just glances it away from Ward who's not quite expecting it what a glorious set play for the Italians congratulations to Italy who topped the group Italy now unbeaten for 30 matches they haven't conceded since the middle of October in 2020 it was another dream evening at the Stadio Olimpico look at the way they celebrated the goals you look at the way it's picked on merit rather than reputation that's what makes them so positive and so upbeat. You just get a lot of forward-thinking footballers on the field and, and it's working really well. Their work rate was incredible and that, to me, was the standout feature. Really well. They don't want to concede goals and when they go forward, I mean, wow, they are the real deal. Italy beat Austria just about after extra time on Saturday night. They played a couple of passages, really fast, high tempo, caused Austria a few problems. But Austria then had a goal disallowed in the second half. It was a different game in the in the second half, really. I, I thought that after extra time, Italy really took charge. And that extra time period was an absolutely captivating half an hour. I think when they scored, you thought, oh, that's it now, it's done. Then they scored again, you thought, oh, it's definitely done. But Austria didn't give up, did they? They fought to the very end and actually... The goal that collides its score, where he dives towards the near post and glances it in past the goalkeeper, was a terrific finish. Yeah, and it was so narrow, the margin for the, for the goal that was ruled out in, in normal time. And I think had that have stood, 
I think Austria would probably have gone on and seen the game out. So they'll take a lot of credit from their performance. But if you look at Italy throughout the tournament, Roberto Mancini, who I think is certainly a contender for, for coach the tournament to this point, has used his bench really well. And we, and we spoke about it in the preview pod we did before the first game, that the five subs is going to favour the bigger nations. And certainly yeah. Mancini has, has utilised that. And, and that's why Italy came on strong in, in extra time. I actually tweeted at the end of 90 minutes, this is one game where you don't want an extra half an hour but I was wrong about that because it was the best 30 minutes of the night <laughs> it was it was Italy now beaten in 31 matches and of course as a result of beating Austria um, Roberto Mancini has set up a date with Roberto Martinez it is a replay of the 2013 FA Cup final when Manchester City lost to Wigan uh, so I suppose Mancini owes him one really thanks for that Sam why did you have to bring that in? We haven't had many disappointments. <laughs> I think, you know, over the course of the last few years, you've more than made up for one yeah, FA no, Cup defeat. Yeah, I was, I was impressed with uh, the game as a whole, as a spectacle. I thought it was tactical. I thought it was really tight. Uh, I agree with Cookie. I think if that goal stands for Austria, they win the game. They see it out. Um, but fair play to Italy. You know, they've had a, a quite a simple route into the last 16. Uh, rotated well, Mancini, as, uh, as we mentioned. But some key performers, uh, obviously Spinozola has been outstanding. I thought Donnarumma, you know, he's still a young man. What is he, 22, 23? Seems like he's been around forever. I think he's been excellent. He's really Never dominated. Never conceded more than one goal in a game for Italy. Yeah, but he's huge, isn't he? He's like unbelievable. A, he's unbelievable, the size of him. And, you know, the experience, you know, you talk about you develop when you're in an uncomfortable uh, situation and you deal with that. Well, he's been playing since he's 16, 17. So you can imagine the discomfort he's felt and what and how he's grown from that. And, you know, that's paying off for him. But the goal I thought that uh, Chiesa scored, I mean, what a finish as oh. well, you know, and the celebrations. And, yeah, no, I think Italy have been a real credit to the tournament. They've brought a lot of um, ability. They've brought a lot of pizzazz. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see that they've made it into the quarterfinals. So, I mean, a lot has been made over the last few days about the draw and how, on one side of it, you've got Italy potentially going to have Spain, Belgium... Um, and um, France, and then on the England side, you've got England and Germany, and you know everyone's perceiving that not much else. Actually, I think Denmark are a very good team, so I think they're they're part of that conversation. I think they'll end up in the semi-finals personally. Um, but Italy didn't have a very hard group; they had a pretty straightforward route through. Whereas some of the other teams on this side of the draw had a very difficult. Group. I mean, Germany, for example, have had to play France and Portugal already. Now they've got to play England. You know, if they get a quarterfinal against Sweden or Ukraine, they deserve to have one light match uh, because they've had such hard ones in the, in the group stages. Whereas Italy, it's been the other way around. It's got harder as it's gone along. And it will get harder because their next game is against the Belgium team who seem to me, Crook, and I did the game on, on Sunday night, have the bit between their teeth in terms of now, because the expectation is so high upon them, because they are deem this golden generation because they've all got about 150 caps and they're all about 73 <laughs> their last chance of actually winning something in, in sort of their peak years I mean they may go to 2022 and still compete but I think this is this is the best opportunity they're going to get yeah they're the dad's army aren't they of these European championships I mean particularly that back line but what they lack in pace maybe they've more made up for experience against Portugal I thought it was a fairly comfortable win although the scoreline doesn't suggest that I think they they had a, a good game plan against Portugal they negated Portugal's threats and apart from Ronaldo taking on shots from 65 
cards. I never really felt like Portugal were, were going to score. The big problem Belgium have got is seeing Kevin De Bruyne and Edin Hazard hobble off. And if those two players aren't available against Italy, I think that could make a massive difference. As much as I love Lukaku and I thought at times against Portugal, he was unplayable. They need a, a fit and firing De Bruyne to break down this Italian back line. It's a huge blow for them, you know, because ankle problems, it looked like it, it, was, it was almost, it was accidental. It was, it was a trailing leg. It's caught him. He, he was unaware of it. And they're the ones that can catch you out. Yeah. He twisted it. Is he going to have enough time to recover before that game? Uh, listen, if he's not back and, and, and Hazard's not back, I would well, say Hazard that. Hazard won't be back, will he? Because he's, he's his hamstring. I would say they've got no chance. And it's such a shame when you see a player like Hazard, you know, obviously his brother scored the winning goal, which was a decent strike. But for me, the goalkeeper, Rio Patricio, has got to save that. It's right next to it. I know there was a bit of movement on it, but come on. Um, but great for, great for his younger brother. But going back to um, Hazard, he looked fitter. He looked like he was fresh. He looked like he was hungry. He looked like he was enjoying his game. Such a bad time for him to get injured because it's getting to the business end of this tournament and all these injuries that he keeps getting, it, for me, it always stems back to one thing when he let himself go when he first made that move from Chelsea. Uh, it's interesting you said that. I was going about to raise Madrid. this question to you. Jose Mourinho was quite scathing, wasn't he, mm. over the weekend where he turned around and said, look, great guy, lovely bloke, brilliant family man, this, that, the other, but if he was a super professional and he looks after his diet and his, yeah. and his conditioning, then he would be an even better player than he already has been. Now, he only missed 20 games in eight seasons at Chelsea yeah. over the, you know, in the Premier League, but he's missed so much football over the last two He's took years. his finger off the pulse, Sam. It's well, as simple as. But his finger wasn't really ever on the pulse. And, I, and I, I was lucky enough to do a TV show with him a couple of years ago and we filmed it. It was me, him and Olivier Giroud. We filmed it <coughs> in the Chelsea gym. And as we sat down to start recording, Olivier Giroud turned around to Edin Hazard and went, Edin, this is the gym, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he well, I think it, after my own well, heart. Yeah, look, well, for me, I mean, I was fortunate. I was probably the other way around where I took it a little bit for granted when I was younger. But then I was fortunate enough to have a teammate who inspired me, and that was Paolo Di Canio, the most professional man that I've ever played with. And... After training, every day, we would go in there, spend an hour doing weights, talking, talking about the game, working on our upper body, working on our lower body. And from when I was about 27, 28, my physical condition was better than when I was 21. And what happened, what, what's happened with Hazard is he, he's young, so you get away with it. You know, you can eat a little bit more, you can have a drink, which you shouldn't, and you can get away with it. But as, as you get older... You have to adapt because there's hungry kids coming through, wanting to take your shirt number, wanting to mark you out of the game. And unfortunately, he's not conceded to that situation. And that's why he's finding it very difficult now. Yeah. Um, okay, so Belgium against Italy, probably the pick of the quarterfinals up until uh, this point. We could have France against Spain. Spain play uh, Croatia Monday night. Uh, France play Switzerland at the same time. Um, the other match was the Czech Republic against Netherlands. And I know that both of you two had a keen eye on this one. Uh, Crook, who has now turned into a Czech because Scotland's <laughs> gone. You know, he had a brief flirtation with England just because it was helpful at one stage. Now the Czechs are coming through. He's Patrick Schick's biggest fan. Um, so, so talk to me about that game because the Dutch, obviously, uh, I mean, they made a huge mistake. Matthias Delict with his 
handball, which I thought actually it took too long for VAR to consider it. It was a straight red card. It was obvious. Yeah. Agreed. Um, why it took that long is a mystery, but I mean, that was clearly the, the key turning point in the game. Although I thought the Czechs were, were managing it quite well, even to that point. Um, Gave up a few chances, just... didn't they? Especially in the first half. I thought, you know, Don Fries had a couple of good opportunities. Marlon went almost round the goalkeeper and but missed, mistimed his sort of, uh, his touch. Yeah, it's just a bit of a lack of quality for Holland in the final third. And it's something, again, that, that I highlighted before the tournament. I know you're a big fan of the new improved Memphis Depay, but I just didn't see a team with Memphis Depay as their shining hope really going deep into the draw. And so it's proved, obviously, Van Dijk is, is a massive loss. And you wonder if De Ligt would have made the same mistake had he have had the rock alongside him. But... The Czech Republic have been great in this tournament, right from the first game against Scotland, one of the moments of the tournament with a goal from the halfway line. But there's other stars emerging, um, not least Patrick Schick, who I know Trevor is a big fan of. I like his movement. He certainly knows where the, the back of the net is, and I'm sure there will be Premier League clubs circling for him. Uh, Tomáš Holesch in midfield looks a really um, decent prospect as well. And obviously you've got the two West Ham lads, so foul and so check. And I put on Twitter on Sunday night, the Czech Republic are proof that sometimes um, a team is greater than the sum of their individual parts. And they are a proper team. And we mentioned the Slavia Prague connection. I think the manager's done really well to foster that club mentality, that club spirit. And, and they're, you know, they are a force. They are a dark horse, no question. There's six or seven of them in, in that team who all played together at Slavia Prague. And, and that clearly is of benefit to them because they all understand their relationships on the field of play. And they, there's a decent camaraderie about the group. I thought they reacted to the situation of the Dutch losing a man really well. They went from being quite a, a side that were quite happy to be without the ball to to then yeah. turning it on and playing with the ball. And they're quite capable of doing that as well. From set pieces, they've always been a threat. And the first goal comes from that set piece. And it was a brilliant delivery to the back post. The header at the back post was excellent. And Hollesch, obviously, I mean, he finished it, but he, he, he couldn't really help but do so. He was only four yards out. So, look, I, I think they're a very well-coached team, well-choreographed team. I don't know how deep they'll go, but, you know, that's, that's an interesting quarterfinal now, isn't it? Yeah, and I have to say, um, before the game, when we were talking about with, with Giorgio, Jorginho Wijnaldum, how effective he's been out in that number 10 position, getting further forward, was a real threat. Obviously, Memphis Depay. I weren't sure whether Malum was going to play or Wout Vaughorst was going to play because of the size difference and what he would bring, which would be different to Malum. In the end, I thought that the, the two central defenders, Salustra and, and Kalas, and Suchek and Holesh, was superb because they made sure there was no space and there was no space in that area for anyone to operate. And that took a lot of the threat of this Netherlands team away. And you have to say, Jaroslav Silhavi has done a superb job making sure that they did the work prior to this game, prepared themselves. And then going back to even the, the, the national anthems, as the national anthems were going through and, the, and the, the cameras screening across all the players, I thought, what a physical side they are. You know, most, almost all the players are six foot. So from set pieces, they were always going to be a threat. And, and actually, on the flip side of that, the Netherlands, I think they took one short corner, didn't end up getting it into the box. And then everything else, first contact, or if not first contact, second contact, was the Czech Republic player. They played, the, they played a fantastic strategy. They had a game plan. The, the delict sending off changed the, changed the game, as you mentioned, Sam. And they got on the front foot and they, put, they said, let's get after these. And they did get after him. And once the first goal went in, 
I couldn't see any other uh, way this game was going to pan out. And then in the end, for me, Frank De Boer and his tactics were really come unstuck and he didn't really adapt well to the sending off or to the fact that he's bigger players and the players that he wants to get on the ball in forward areas didn't have any kind of impact on the game. Four players named Thomas in that Czech team, so I don't think we should doubt them when it comes to quarterfinal. <laughs> but, um, Ching, that sounds like one of my jokes. <laughs> I got a, uh, a Facebook uh, thing from Jason Manford saying that I was killing the dad joke game on Sunday night, which basically meant I just told crap jokes during a oh, dear. first 45 minutes. Look at you name dropping. Uh, actually, <laughs> that's name dropping. Eh? <laughs> Crikey. Didn't you just say that you were inspired by Paolo Di Canio? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you've got more names to drop than me. Um, should we preview the most exciting game of the week, Sweden against Ukraine? I think this will be a better game than it looks on paper. I was actually quite impressed with Ukraine in the group stage. I really like the way that Yarmolenko plays for them and Zinchenko in a more advanced role. They have got one or two injury doubts um, coming into this game, and that could be a problem uh, for Shevchenko if he doesn't get his first choice 11 out on the pitch because this Sweden side are, are decent campaigners now. And again, Again, there's a bit of a similarity between them and the Czech Republic. And they have five players in the squad who won the 2015 uh, Under-21 European Championship. So they have that, that bond and that club mentality as well. And the and winning mentality show, they as well. They, they know how to get through matches, don't they? Because they won that, that, that tournament when they were, were together as an Under-21 group. So that's important. And we've seen that over, over time, that that really influences your progression going forward. Could the, uh, could the best thing that happens to this match, though, be that both of the teams wear their home kits. Could that not make it more exciting fair? <laughs> not for me. <laughs> to me, to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just no, I mean, listen, I've been, I've been pleased for Yamalenko, obviously, being a West Ham man. I think he's, what has he scored? Two goals already. He's, he's looked sharp. He's looked like he's, he's probably not played a lot of football this season, which he's not. And he looks fresh. And probably the same can be said a little bit about Raheem. You know, the fact that he's had such a, an integral part to play for England and the fact that he's not played a lot of games for Manchester City over the recent months. So, yeah, no, they've, they're entertaining there um, going forward. They look like they've got a lot of creativity. Um, and Sweden's not the Sweden that, you know, that we, we're used to seeing. They're probably going through a little bit transition themselves. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really entertaining game and both teams are going to feel like they've got a chance to win it and, and really go for it. Crooker, you're nodding your head vigorously, so it's going to be very, very entertaining. Are you by any chance commentating on this game on TalkSport 2? I, I am, and I think it's going to be another five-goal thriller. 3-2 wow. Sweden. Wow, you're a great salesman. Well done. Um, okay, um, that's it from us uh, for this early part of the week. We'll be back to review England's uh, demise at the hands of Germany on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking if I just, complete, just keep being pessimistic, I'll be pleasantly surprised. So I'm trying to sort of convince myself that it's all going to go wrong so that by the time we get to Wednesday morning, we'll just be in some sort of euphoric state where we can't quite believe what's happened. But you know, fingers crossed. Let's hope they do it. If anyone can, Gareth can do it. He's managed to get over the penalty hoodoo. They've won the last two penalty shootouts. You know, surely they can get over the Germany hoodoo as well. Quick prediction on that, Trevor. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. Home two. win. Of course, of course, of course, England. Go on, Crook. I think it might be a bit tighter than that. I can see a nervy 2-1 with England hanging on in the final stages. Tori, have you said something positive about England? Are you okay? I'm English. <laughs> I think he should self-isolate. Lucy, I think he should self-isolate. 
No, there's no way. There's obviously something wrong there. There must be a fever. Right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate that. Um, we look forward to the rest of the last 16. We'll be back with an in-depth preview of all of the quarterfinals, which take place on Friday night and Saturday night on Thursday of this week. So please join us then. Uh, we look forward to that. And of course, between now and then, there's lots of games. In fact, all four of the remaining last 16 matches are live on the TalkSport network. In fact, I think they're all on TalkSport, with the exception of Ukraine and Sweden. And it's nothing to do with the commentator. <laughs> The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.